What did you say this one was called again? It's the episode with no name. So they left it untitled? Well, no, it's the title is the episode with no name. So what's it called? The episode with no name. So they didn't title it. They titled it the episode with no name. You can't see me. I'm doing quote fingers. Warning, incoming game. Warning, incoming game. Welcome to Incoming Game, the podcast that has a name. This is uh, the podcast where we watch... And rewatch ...the 90s animated series Reboot. I'm Jessica, and I've been a fan for a long time. I'm Ben, and I'm watching this for the first time. Each week, we'll take an episode, dissect it, inject some trivia, and try to find our frostiest moments. This week, it's all spaghetti westerns, in the episode with no name. So how you doing, Jess? I'm doing pretty good. I watched Jaws for the first time today. For real? Yeah, I've never watched Jaws before. I was underwhelmed. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those classics I feel like I should know by now. Yeah. It's like my wife, she refuses to watch The Goonies. Oh, she's missing out. <laughs> Though it's, it's overhyped now. I wonder if that was the problem. Everyone talks about her great Jaws a lot. I was just like, eh. Yeah. I remember liking it. How was your week, Ben? Uh, it's been pretty good. I just got back from a run. Um, and I can't think of anything to uh, say about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll lay off the hard questions. (laughs) How's your wasp situation? Uh, apparently not yet solved. Still in progress. (laughs) There's been a few stragglers that have popped in every now and then. Hopefully they will all be dead soon. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's introduce our guest this week, shall we? Let's do it. So our guest this week is Cameron O'Hara, who is calling in from the future of 7.30 in the morning Japan time. Hi, Cameron. Hello. Good morning. Good afternoon. Good evening. The future is wonderful. Cameron has bought his way onto our podcast via (laughs) Patreon. But uh, yeah, we're here to talk about episode eight. No, it's good to be here. It's excellent. I'm really excited to be on the show. I'm a little bit nervous, but uh, yeah. So Cameron, as we do with all our guests. What is your history with Reboot? Obviously, you're a fan because you're on our Patreon. You listen to our podcast, unless you randomly found it and were just like, this sounds interesting. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm a huge super fan of Reboot. Uh, So like way, way, way back in the day, back in the early 90s, uh, my sister pointed it out to me on TV. And then like so many things that she introduced me to, I didn't really get it at first. It was kind of like, what is this? But somehow, like, I eventually came to love it. I, like, I couldn't get enough of it. You know, to the point where I'm definitely, like, drinking the reboot Kool-Aid. And it tastes so good. <laughs> Wait, they released Kool-Aid, too? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> it's like Enzo Cooler? Enzo Cooler. <laughs> but, yeah, reboot was made in my hometown. I'm from Vancouver originally. And it was just so awesome to have this show being made where I was growing up and also, like, referencing the city. I don't know if you know this, but, like, Kitts. Bob's apartment is in Kitts Sector, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Is Kitts Sector an actual place in Vancouver? Yeah, it's a neighborhood called Kitsilano. It's right on the water. It's this, like, really kind of hip, trendy part of Vancouver. Oh, look at that. And that's where Bob's apartment is. So that's pretty awesome. And that between that and, like, the creators being, like, uh, Star Trek fans just really got me into it. But uh, yeah, I had all the action figures, uh, collected the trading cards, and just anything reboot I could get my hands on. 
You've seen those trading cards and the Pogs, too. I saw some pictures. Oh, dude, they have Pogs. I didn't know about the Pogs. Yeah, there's a number five Pog that I'm itching to get my hand really? on. <laughs> he's, he's out, he has his eye on that one. All right. Well, shall we jump right into the recap here? Yeah, let's go. So today we're doing Season 3, Episode 8, the episode with no name. It first aired on October 8th, 1997. Uh, it was written by Adria Budd. And the story is by Gavin Blair, Dan DiDio, Phil Mitchell, and Ian Pearson. And it's another day, another glowing energy ball. The camera pans down to see a game sitting smack dab in the middle of a port surrounded by a desert. We get some Arabian-esque music. And the system voice has a slight Middle Eastern accent. So you get immediately what they're going for. Yeah, so now this, this glowing energy ball, though, it's shooting a beam down into a ring by the water. Did you understand what that was all about? Only because I understood from my memory, I don't think I would have understood just to look at it. Okay, yeah, because it has nothing to do with the game itself. Like, the game ends, and that's like leaving a city, uh, but the beam is like shooting into the water, it looks like. I saw on, like, the wiki, uh, that's like a ring world reference or something? I did see that it was supposed to be a ring world reference, but I have neither read nor seen ring world. So the game ends and leaves the city, and we find our heroes gazing upon an empty ghost town that suddenly springs to life. And people freak out when there's paper in Star Trek. There's paper in Reboot. I did the same thing, and I was like, is it weird that there's paper? Has there ever been paper? Oh my god. And then I was like, wait a minute. We saw someone put up posters. Oh, dude, that's right. Cyrus put up the posters. <laughs> <laughs> Just pretend they're JPEGs. So, yeah, we've got a town brought to life, complete with aliens and stormtroopers. And a snake charmer. And a snake charmer. Uh, Matrix scans the system and is overcome with joy when he sees that there are ports to the net that he lifts up Andrea and carries her like they're crossing some kind of threshold. Alphanumeric! We're going home! They proceed to have the most awkward kiss faces I have ever seen. <laughs> it's super awkward. This huge close-up of Enzo's dumb face going, <laughs> It's not, Andrea's not so bad, I think, but Enzo is like... He's got his mouth, like, slightly open a bit. It's not slightly open, it's like... <laughs> He's gone for tongue. But they have Kissus Interruptus as a uh, street urchin bumps into Enzo and makes off with his key tool. The guy is so obviously shifty from, like, point one. I mean, he's wearing a trench coat. You can't trust a him in a trench coat. We've learned that lesson. <laughs> I like how, as Enzo is chasing after his stolen property, Andrea is just content to watch him leave and go shopping instead of doing anything to help. Shall we do some shopping? I like that she has to convince Frisket to hold her purse. <laughs> She's just like, at least these credit cards weren't stolen, am I right? <laughs> But I like this about them. I like this dynamic, right? Because they're in this committed relationship, but they give each other a lot of independence. They completely trust one another to be okay and to know what they're doing. So uh, Enzo starts doing rooftop parkour, chasing after the urchin. It reminds me glaringly of the Aladdin video game. I feel like shot for shot almost, like bouncing on the thing and then like jumping onto the little stick that's sitting out. Andrea is accosted by the most egregious Middle Eastern stereotypes. Files and data! Files and data! Get your red apples! Fuzz bubbles! Please do get your fuzz bubbles! These accents were so uncomfortable, especially in the wake of like the Apu controversy. A little bit, yes. <laughs> I was I was a little bit distracted by the fact that one, someone was selling floppy disks, and two, someone was selling 
fuzz bubbles, <laughs> which I could only picture as the Rick and Morty. Oh God, what was the name of that thing? The Plumbus or something? The Plumbus. <laughs> <laughs> Matrix continues to chase his quarry. As he t- attempts to slide down a cable, he learns he's just too buff. It's a curse, really, that he has to deal with this. I'm too masculine. I don't know what to do with all this testosterone. <laughs> and so as Andrea walks away from the like gathering crowd, uh, it took me a while to figure out what was going on in this scene. It just looked like a square cactus writhing on the ground. But I fi- figured eventually it was the, the snake charmer that got swallowed. Yes. Oh, that's what that <laughs> I is. I love that. That was so oh great. Oh, my gosh. Like My whole <laughs> life I've been like wondering what the heck that was supposed to be. The snake has eaten the binome. He is now binome shaped. <laughs> What's that thing? He's like holding a cup and something like kind of jumps out of it. What was that? Oh, that was the um, his the flute that the binome was using to charm the snake. Nice. All right. All right. So Andrea goes to leave the market and we get uh, an ominous zoom to the port and a merchant starts yelling, the guardians are coming. Guardians, the guardians are coming. And the whole square starts to scatter. Yeah. And then some badass looking sprites appear. We got Gamora and these uh, blue man group guys. (laughs) They have obviously watched the Matrix. (laughs) Yeah. I kind of dig their look. And like, it goes back to my point that the uh, one-off characters and like background binomes still have better design and more character to them than Matrix and Andrea do. Like it's been four episodes of them being older and they still kind of look strange and stiff. Can't even kiss right. (laughs) Well, funny you should say that about those two guardians. And this is just a theory of mine. I couldn't find this on the wikia or anything, but I'm pretty sure those two blue guys are Gavin Blair and I think Phil Mitchell. Oh, for real. Oh, really? I think like the the one on the left definitely looks like Gavin. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> We're definitely going to have to ask Gavin if that's the case. I don't know if he'll be impressed or insulted. We'll see. <laughs> Yeah, so Matrix follows this urchin to the bar, but before we can see what's inside, there's bedlam on the streets. Binomes are being pulled and yanked around by these spidery mechanical creatures as Blue Man Group starts shooting into the crowd. Yeah, whatever they're looking for, they're not doing a very good job of it. Uh, Luckily, Andreas left the Central Market and is now at the docks, meeting up with a chrome-plated lady that is cleaning up vomit. Yeah, she's like, you want to ride the vomit, Comet? I'm going to need to see some ID. We can't just let anyone go anywhere, not since Agitpai locked down the net anyway. (laughs) Oh man, you also made the Agitpai joke. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoy here that both Andrea and Frisket can smell the vomit. It's that bad. They're both just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I guess we need to go on this boat. We get a uh, fun little cantina scene along with a couple of very drunk binomes. I, uh, I feel like this is the kind of scene that would not have been allowed by ABC. You know, like we, we can't actually show them drinking and staggering around. Yeah, they drink a lot. Yeah, they, they're all super like tanked. They're having a good time. They are until Matrix walks in like Clint Eastwood. The whole bar goes silent. Yeah, he's all business. He goes, He asks for a shot. Looks around suspiciously and sees the thief trembling. And I felt like this scene went on for like 10 years. <laughs> I, I aged as much as Enzo did by the end of it. <laughs> the uh, pickpocket tries to deny that he stole anything, but uh, Glitch still responds to voice commands, so that's not true. Now this part confused me. Is Glitch the key tool, or is that a separate thing? Glitch is the key tool. So it seemed like he used Glitch to find the key tool. No, no, no. He just made his own key tool beep. You know, like when you lose your keys and you tell Alexa to... <laughs> so if he's not in, like, vocal range, though, so, like, that find my iPhone bit isn't going to work, right? <laughs> no, I don't think if it's in vocal range it would work. 
But if you lost it in your apartment or while you were fixing your car, Bob, you could easily <laughs> like, where did I put that thing? <laughs> Although there was that one episode, I seem to remember Gigabyte maybe, where like Bob calls Glitch from the other side of the city or maybe it's painted windows or something. Oh yeah, he does. He pulls a Thor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. And they had this shot where it's like zooming through the city and Bob's just standing there with his arm out. Okay, so he could have done that at any time then. He could have just said, Glitch, come. But Glitch is broken. Uh... I I think the broken Glitch rules work depending on plot. (laughs) Well, anyway, so Posse arrives and so he starts spinning his gun around, setting his target sights on everyone in the bar. Gun! Death Blossom mode. This scene here I thought was pretty great just because he starts off with just the group that has stood up to defend their pickpocket friend and then goes to literally everyone in the bar. Yeah. And everyone in the bar is like, give him the ketone. Just give him the ketone. Do not, I do not need to deal with this right now. Right. And so, so the thief kicks it back to him. And rather than put away his gun, he tells everyone to leave if they want to live. Like, he must be a very violent drunk. <laughs> <laughs> Literally no one stick around. I'm just going to have this drink for free and kick everyone out and ruin this guy's business. So Matrix starts to enjoy his quiet drink alone when he realizes there's still someone left. Someone that seems shadowly familiar. It's Zap Brannigan. <laughs> it's Zap Brannigan again. Um, Turbo Prime Guardian. And he's looking for Guardian 452, a.k.a. Bob. I am not a number. I am a sprite. No, no, no. That was Enzo. Bob is definitely a number. <laughs> it's on his badge. It's right, right there. <laughs> So uh, meanwhile, Andy is talking to the Silver Searcher and uh, asking what the deal is with the Guardians. And she explains that they've got their own agenda and are restricting travel in order to control the known net. The only ones who can help are over there, in a prison, awaiting deletion. They're no longer mend and defend anymore. It's divide and render now, which, you know, is quite the motto upgrade <laughs> or downgrade, I guess, depending on how you're looking at it. <laughs> And then back at the bar, Enzo's like, Brannigan, you asshole, you ruined my life. Turbo's just like, and you are? (laughs) Luckily for Turbo, he has a working key tool, so Matrix isn't too much of a problem for him. Enzo starts to explain where he's been. He's like, many years ago, Andrea and I, and Zap is like, actually, let me stop you there. It's only been like a month. Well, not quite a month. Whatever the mainframe equivalent of a year is. And I could not tell you if it was a nano or a minute or a second or whatever that was. Mm, one season older anyway. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you haven't been away for as long as you think. By my reckoning, you should only be 1-1. One, one. You should have been like 13 now. He should look like that Enzo that we got in the two-parter episode, Identity Crisis, when he's kind of like... With the peach fuzz? Exactly. So uh, Turbo reveals that he actually only came by because he was also using Glitch's Find My iPhone and thought he was going to be meeting up with Bob, and he wanted to warn him about something. Uh, The key tools at this point take the opportunity to talk amongst themselves. We had mentioned in a previous episode, I think, wondering if the key tools were sentient personalities, and I I think this is definitely uh, a hit towards that. He does talk to him, too. He's like, hey, old buddy, how's it going? <laughs> to be fair, though, I would totally say that to an inanimate object. <laughs> Andrea is now chatting with her new friend, the search engine, and we almost get an explanation of what search engines are, which is an actual thing that would have had to be explained to some people in the 90s. <laughs> she says, I'll explain later, and then it never comes back. I'm a search engine. <laughs> I'll explain. 
when we start to hear some gunfire in the distance and Andrea's immediately like, well, that's my boyfriend. So as the shooting breaks out, uh, the other guardians demand the rogue guardian Bob come out to face them. And Enzo calls out to them. He's like, hey, uh, your drones, there's not like people inside them, are there? And they even stop to respond. Like they're like, um, no, no, they, they don't. It's cool. <laughs> Why? Why do you ask? <laughs> oh, no reason. <laughs> so with that, uh, Turbo and Matrix fire off blasts of their own, destroying the drones. In their brief reprieve after the drone destruction, Turbo gets to fill Matrix in on the rest of the problem, which is that he's infected. And so are all the other Guardians. He's like, you see, we had a big Guardian orgy and everyone contracted this crazy super STD. We just wanted to let Bob know to to get himself checked out. It's another PID. (laughs) This is interesting here, too, because like in previous episodes, they, they had the Medusa bug and Bob was like, I'm probably immune, right? Because I'm a guardian. Now we have a virus that the guardians are not immune to. So this is kind of fuel for the fire of like, who would win at a battle, Hex or this new super virus, you know? You're right. This is something that is specifically targeting guardians. So it's either a virus made for guardians or something so powerful that the usual guardian protocols do nothing. So this virus is called Daemon and has infected all of the guardians except for Bob and Enzo, who are clean (laughs) which the way that he calls enzo clean is real creepy you're clean (laughs) oh like is he is he gonna like breed with him what's happening (laughs) (laughs) he's he's like implying he's like you're you're a virgin right he's like you you didn't go to this crazy orgy (laughs) no no in the last episode they already said we are lovers yeah we we specifically learned that they were banging last episode that's true so Damon is the one responsible for the web creature that attacked Mainframe, and he says that now they'll be able to track his icon. Doesn't matter where you go now. They've got a lock on your icon. They'll always be able to track you. So Enzo's like, ah, but what if I go into incognito mode? <laughs> I open up an incognito browser, and then you can't see me. <laughs> uh, which works. The guardians outside are immediately like, wait, where'd he go? I can't see him anymore. Gamora determines that he must have used a portal to escape. So she grabs the urchin who's sneaking off, and he suggests that they go after the girl and the dog. A little dog, too. Uh, I like that we learn here that he was working for the bad guys the whole time. What a twist. <laughs> Honestly, I hadn't remembered that at all, and I just assumed that he was just like, huh, key tool. I'll take that. I play too many rogues. Maybe that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> so the two blue guardians surround Andrea guns drawn and they live stream the whole thing on a blimp for Enzo to watch because apparently they know his fetish is to watch his girlfriend kill people (laughs) (laughs) they uh, should have brought some dog treats though like everyone knows you need to bring like a steak or a bone or something to appease the dog and uh, Frisket dispatches them in short order (laughs) that's right no Scooby snack no talkies (laughs) we get to hear some western music uh, as the green guardian waits for her men to return but it's not her men that come back Andrea asks if her drone has a personality chip, and apparently this one does, along with an IQ chip, because it's smart enough to head for the hills. Yep, 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 yep. She asks where her goons are, and uh, Andrea lets her know that Frisket is probably going to shit them out in a few hours. (laughs) (laughs) I do like that Frisket kind of pouts here, because he doesn't get to kill the drone. Yeah, and he sits out the rest of the fight, too. He's just, like, drawing on the ground with his finger. It's time for Andrea to shine, though, now. She, this is the moment that she's been waiting for. This is the moment I've been waiting for. Matrix keeps, like, stepping on her spotlight. 
Yeah, so she's like, well, you gonna arrest me? And uh, Gamora's like, nah, but I am gonna really slowly reach for my gun. <laughs> and uh, so Andy sees what's up and preps her fingernails. I love the Western motif here. And I mean, we've talked about Westerns before, and this is a different type of Western that we've seen before. And I really enjoyed it. This uh, showdown was awesome. I love this scene. I love the music. I love the buildup. And then the way it goes down, excellent. They've used so many classic shots with the, the bead of sweat versus the infection on her forehead. Yeah, that was a nice touch. Yeah, so we get uh, shot for shot some like classic Western uh, moments here until finally the light on her gun turns green. The Guardian fires and uh, Andrea blocks it with her fin and then shoots out her fingernails at the Guardian. They dig into her neck and the Guardian with a little gurgle just drops. <laughs> Falls down dead. So uh, Brannigan, meanwhile, is like, well, my work here is done. Uh, mind fixing me a tear so I can get out of here? Matrix's like, wait, you're not going to stick around? And I'm like, I'm personally like, really? You want the guy with the viral infection to just, you know, hang out? Mm, that's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> so Enzo shoots the, the soda fountain or beer tap or whatever, and it turns into a tear. Like, he can just make them on command like that? Well, that's what tears are, I think, right? It's like some kind of disruption in the system. So, like, when a game leaves, it's left all this damage behind, and tears just kind of result from that? Yeah, I think it's because he's damaging something that is part of the system. Well, I guess if you know how to mend something, you know how to break it again. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know he knows how to break stuff. The mending part still. <laughs> Turbo walks through the uh, portal, or jumps through the portal. He jumps. That was an awesome jump. Sick jump he did there. <laughs> wow! Then Andrea comes in, and she's just like, yo, what the fuck? <laughs> he's like, oh, no, no, it's cool. We good. <laughs> let's, just, uh, let's just look for some ship out of here. If only we knew some kind of sea captain. <laughs> Cue the pirate music. Uh, who should walk in but our old friend, the pirate captain. Pirate's capacitor. <laughs> so uh, what did you all think about this one? So I really enjoyed this one. I mean, we got to see some some more of the plot that we're moving forward here. We get to see that we've had stuff in motion since as far back as the X-Files episode. You know, the web creature hiding in the wall. Like, you know, this is this has been in motion. And, and when we saw that shadowy image of Turbo sending a bomb to mainframe, like that was under the influence of a virus. So there's a, a larger world happening. And that's what I really liked about this episode, too. Like, because I, I kind of understand what you two have been saying about the first four episodes were like, awesome. And it kind of kind of like the tension kind of goes down after all that building up, right? But for me, this episode brought it all back, you know? It has all these plot points that started back in episode, or sorry, season two, and that are going to continue onward. I love this episode. I'm also a big fan of the Western motifs. I'll go into it a little bit later, but we're seeing a different kind of Western motif here. And I think it works really well for adult Enzo. I enjoyed it. But Ben, I, I think you might have a slight difference of opinion on this one. I don't know where that's coming from. <laughs> I think it's from the thumbs down emoji that you sent me earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I can I appreciate the like little callbacks and like you know some of the Western references and Star Wars stuff like that. But overall, it, this did not do anything for me. I was bored the whole time. Aww. seriously. Yeah, like, and I know, like the like for me, the pacing was super slow, and I know that was intentional to kind of give that kind of like you know old west feel, but like it was still kind of tough to get through. Like there seemed like a lot of exposition and not a lot of actual entertainment. I think that's fair 
that pace is not something you enjoy. Yeah, and like, and there was some nice reveals, you know, like I said, like the references. It just wasn't enough to save it for me. Like, and then bonus negative points for the Middle Eastern stereotypes. <laughs> sure, this is the nineties. If there's uh if there's one thing to perfectly encapsulate my uh my review, it would be that gif of Kevin Sorbo saying disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> I liked all that exposition, though. Like, I thought, I don't know, there's a lot of kind of, like, world building in this episode. You know, we've been focusing exclusively on Enzo or Matrix and Andrea and Frisket and what they're doing. And we've just kind of forgotten about this this whole bigger net thing. What's going on in the net and how does that connect to mainframe and all this stuff. And yeah, it's it's nice to be able to see that again. And beyond even mainframe, we're so used to mainframe being this insular community and this is a net-wide issue that's addressing everyone. So it's even more than just our, our local heroes. Yeah, and I think I think it all still comes down to, like, I'm still judging it against, like, the Evil Dead one and Bad Bob and, like, the, the ones that really appealed to me. And uh, this just wasn't working for me the same way. I have a theory. Can I say, can I give you my theory? Sure. This morning, I had, uh, I had a cup of tea, right? When I woke up. <laughs> and... It was in the fridge. It was like cold iced tea, Earl Grey tea. All right. <laughs> I could totally go for some tea Earl Grey hot, right? So I, I take a sip. Something's not right. This is not what I expected. It's like, what? what is this? Ooh, uh, oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's lemon. Oh, that's kind of <laughs> actually not so bad. I feel like maybe if you just let that kind of flavor kind of sit on your palate a little longer, you might kind of, <laughs> you know... Come to like what's going on a little bit more here. Well, now here's the thing, though. I really liked number seven, though, the last episode. So it's not like I'm, I'm resistant to all change or, you know, anything different. Like, and, and like, even Bad Bob and, like, Enzo the Smart, like, when and Talent Night, like, those ones were changes from what had been, too. And I really liked those. Yes. You know, certain episodes work for me, some ones, certain ones don't. So. Totally yeah. fair. Totally fair. This one, personally, it worked for me. I thought... You know, it was a little bit of a slower pace, but I really enjoyed being able to see more of the world. And I really enjoyed that we got to see that kind of Western feel for it. it. There was a lot of exposition. You know, we got to see Andrea do stuff, but a lot of it was off camera. And most of what we got was Turbo and Matrix talking to each other, explaining what was happening. So, you know, I can understand that it's it's a slower pace and it's not going to appeal to everyone. I, can I just say, I want to know what the heck Turbo is doing in the supercomputer. Is he pretending to be infected? Like, he runs into, like, the other garden and he's like, oh, yeah, don't you hate freedom? <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's pretty much exactly what he's doing. Is because he's, you know, he is still infected. He's just not listening to the voice in his head. But I'm strong. I can still fight it. He's like Locutus. He's trying to kind of break through or seven of nine or something. <laughs> break away from the collective. Alphanumeric! So let's move on to bits and bytes. Jessica, what trivia do you have this week? All right, so we'll start with the voice actors. Um, so Turbo we've met before, but just FYI, he is played by Gary Chalk, who's also the voice of Slash and Air Doctor. He does the voice for Optimus in Beast Wars too, no? I believe he does. He's And he's one of those actors that like you look at him and you're like, oh, you're that guy, that guy from that thing with the guy that did the thing. <laughs> he's one of those guys. <laughs> uh, Denise Jowd is the voice of Maxine, the search engine, who we'll, we'll learn a little bit more about later. Maxine is all over the the DVD pack for some reason. Like, why why are you here? I mean, she's really cool and everything, but it's just kind of like weird to see her there. 
<laughs> the pickpocket actually has a name. His name is Slimy Goober. Slimy Goober. <laughs> when was that referenced? It's not in the episode. Not. It's, it's not just... the episode at all. Oh. In the episode notes, somebody revealed, I guess. He is voiced by Jesse Moss, who is the original Enzo Matrix. I thought something like that, yeah. <laughs> Which is so cool. I had no idea. Alphanumeric. <laughs> Alphanumeric. Which actually, uh, this isn't necessarily bit and bite, but I really enjoyed that we got to hear Enzo say alphanumeric and mean it in this episode. <laughs> that showed how happy he was that he kind of like went back to his roots. The uh, I forget the voice actor's name, but the guy who plays Matrix, like there's some some scenes where he's like really channeling young Enzo and like he's saying certain words like Bob or whatever, like, you know, with a little kind of W in there. Like, it sounds like the original Enzo sometime. And this one, too, when he says alphanumeric. I think he does a really good job of it. Uh, and that scene that kind of got to me when he was just like, alphanumeric, and like, meant it. <laughs> uh, so then we'll move on to the episode name, uh, which is the episode with no name. <laughs> so this is a reference to the man with no name, who was played by Clint Eastwood in A Fistful of Dollars and A Few Dollars More and The Good, Bad, and The Ugly. Uh, so we'll go into my little Western riff again here a lot less than last time. Um, <laughs> but last time we had a Western episode, Enzo was playing the part of the boy from Shane. So if you watch Shane, Shane is like an old Western where there's the white hat and the black hat and the good cowboy is good. And that's all there is to it. And this little boy that looks up to like the white hat cowboy, like it's it's a very specific kind of Western that you're seeing. So he played that little boy and he was looking up to that white hat cowboy. So if you fast forward a few decades and you get to the Vietnam War, uh, the Vietnam War actually had a huge impact on our media. You got to see these kind of gray heroes, especially in Westerns. And suddenly the Westerns wasn't white hat, black hat. Everyone was gray hat. And you got these heroes, like the man with no name, that they weren't great people. I mean, they were better than the other guy, but like they weren't people to root for. And now Enzo is playing that character in a lot of ways. He's encompassing that like ideal. And I think that's really cool that they're kind of bringing attention to it, that this is now much later he's a different generation he's not following the white hat black hat bob is the hero kind of kid he's suddenly clint eastwood which i think you know it's really fun how they're doing that there that is really fun yeah that's that's my first time thinking about it that way too it's really interesting so next we get star wars (laughs) (laughs) i definitely caught like the stormtrooper and some other like i mean yeah we got the stormtroopers we get the moss eisley cantina and the (laughs) I swear it's not close enough for me to get in trouble for copyright music. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Uh, We get a Bynum statue in the marketplace, which I did not know this. I had to look this up. It's a reference to uh, The Simpsons, the statue of Jebediah Springfield in the middle of the town. (laughs) At one point when Matrix is jumping from rooftop to rooftop, we get to hear the classic bionic man noise. Um, the bar that they enter is called the sidebar which personally cracked me up it was a very dumb joke but i laughed it also had a mid drift on the The bar uh, mid drift yeah which considering what all the ladies in this episode are wearing (laughs) is accurate uh while in the bar uh matrix has his gun target all the patrons and initiate death blossom mode which is uh from last starfighter 
and uh, Turbo's key tool is called Copland. Now, Copland was actually a two-year project at Apple uh, that was supposed to be updating the Macintosh operating system. So they're throwing in an Apple reference there. So we don't actually have a game this episode. Uh, we get to see the game leaving, but we don't get to see what they were playing. Uh, so instead of talking about the game, I'm going to talk about Reboot the Ride. Yeah, There was a ride? There was a ride. <laughs> we'll ride. So there was actually not one, but two rides. What? <laughs> I didn't know that. This is blowing my mind. Yeah, it was kind of the same ride for all intents and purposes. They just like updated the movie. And ride might be a little bit of a oversell. Is it one of those like 4D experiences? Pretty much. So you sat in a vehicle, which is essentially the vehicle that you saw Maxine cleaning out in this episode. The Vomit Comet. Yeah, exactly. And you were watching a giant IMAX screen. And on the giant IMAX screen, Maxine, our search engine, was taking us for a ride around mainframe. (laughs) And then we get to see that uh, Megabyte is there and he starts causing some trouble. And that's when Bob has to come in and save the day so they had like the whole 3d thing they had your seat that you know like i'm sure moved a little bit can you watch the video of it anywhere is that online or on the dvd or something maybe i don't know yes it is it's on youtube Mm. unfortunately it's just like footage that people riding it took from their their smartphones or whatever oh that's just been kind of like spliced together it's like totally boot like but you get a feel for it, a real good feel. And it's really awesome because like it, it goes into like a shopping center and it's going up and down streets. There's like cars flying around all over the place and like all these characters doing their stuff all over. It's like a New York City version of Mainframe. And it looks like it would have been super awesome to actually be on. So Maxine was pretty much created for this ride as someone to tour you around this ride. And so she was put in the TV series almost as a reaction to that. So yeah, she is a search engine and she shows you around. And so there's two different rides they had. So there was the original Reboot the Ride. Then there was Reboot the Ride version two, Journey into Chaos. The first one played in Miss... Oh God, I'm going to butcher this. You might have to help me on this, Cameron. Mississauga, Ontario? Mississauga? It's Massapequa. (laughs) (laughs) And then it also played in Las Vegas for a little bit at the uh, Adventure Dome and the Luxor. And then the second one, the Reboot the Ride Volume 2, or Version 2, was in Burnaby, British Columbia for a little bit. In Burnaby? Why Why would they do it in Burnaby? And then uh, both ride films you could see over in Galveston, Texas, which is another kind of weird pick. Interesting, interesting. So I don't know a lot about the history of IMAX, but I believe it's a Canadian invention also. And you basically you go there and you watch, you know, nature documentaries as you hurl into a, a plastic bag because it's so dizzying to watch. Yeah, apparently uh, the vomiting that she's referencing in the episode is something that could actually happen on the ride because of <laughs> the IMAX nature and the moving back and forth. Totally. You, you, they, they would have, at before the show, they would have a big, like, 10-minute-long sequence. Like, if you feel the need to barf, put your head between your legs and breathe slowly <laughs> for a few minutes. And that was with, that was a theater without the moving chairs. It was just the big, giant screen. So with moving chairs, the, the amount of vomit must have been unheard of. <laughs> oh, 
we also get to see uh, some old favorites, uh, like the small town binomes. Uh, Gigabyte apparently shows up at some point, which is weird because Megabyte's in there. So I don't know if he transforms into Gigabyte again or what the deal is. Um, and we get to see Classic Bob, but the dot that we see is actually third season dot. Yes. And Classic Bob is voiced by... The new Bob, Ian is his name, right? Yeah, the one that we got to see last episode in seven. So I, I kind of, I really wish we could have, like, this was still a thing and we could go there and watch it. Yes, <laughs> I want to ride this ride. So if anyone's going to, like, you know, inside pool at IMAX, <laughs> let us know. This is wrong. This is all wrong. Well, each week we always like to pick our frostiest of moments and award the golden pigtail. Cameron, we'll start with you. What's uh, your frosty moment of the week? All right. I'm glad you started with me because I'm pretty sure at least one of you has also chosen this. But uh, the uh, the showdown was awesome. It's it's like slowly from season one when there was only like the one female character, Dot. Like they've been adding more and more women. And now we get this scene. Uh, the, the women of Reboot have always been strong. And the more I think that the, the creators took control of the show, the more women they were able to put into the show. And that really like complements and makes the show itself stronger. And just the whole sequence was kick-ass. I loved it. I agree. With what you said specifically, like it's really interesting that Andrea has like three conversations in this episode. One is with Matrix and the other two are with two random women. So it's really interesting to see like, you know, two thirds of the people that she speaks to are are women. And that's not even like Dot and Mouse. Like, you know, they're not even in the picture right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. They're totally different characters and they're talking, they're having a conversation and they're not talking about stereotypically, you know, female things like shopping. Uh, shop. Well, Andrea <laughs> does mention shopping at the beginning of the episode, but uh but they're not talking about their men or whatever, you know? Yeah, they're, you know, they're talking about how I'm going to kill you. Or, yeah. hey, does do you leave this section? Or, yeah, or the Guardians? What the heck's going on in current events? It was a subtle but nice thing to say. So what about you, Jess? What did you pick? Uh, so I didn't actually have the showdown on my list, though it is definitely up there. Um, my two runners up are the gag of the binome being eaten by a snake, which <laughs> cracked me up. And the design for the Green Guardian Lady, which was amazing. Like, I loved her robot arms. Did you notice she had robot arms? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. I want to know the story about that robot arm. Where does that come from? Right? Like, there's, there's some stuff there that that's a cool backstory that we do not know about. But actually, my go-to Frosty moment has to be the line, uh, Stay Frosty, Sparky. <laughs> oh, at the beginning, right? Stay Frosty, Sparky! It's just... It is such a ridiculous line to say out of context. <laughs> like, if you don't know that Stay Frosty is something they'd say all the time, and if we hadn't seen her call him Sparky before, <laughs> like, I, I half expected him to turn around and be like, Mom, stop embarrassing me in front of the kids. <laughs> like, it's such a ridiculous thing to say to this giant macho man. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it, like, it speaks to their relationship, right? And they're super, like... They're like, okay, you just do whatever you need to go and do. That's fine. I'm going to do what I want to do. Yes. And I, I think I forgot to bring it up when we got there. But uh, when we get to see that Andrea's in trouble, quote unquote, uh, Matrix like watches the video up on the blimp. And he's just like, oh, yeah, she's fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's no there's no concern there because he knows that she could take care of herself. And there's not like this kind of like ownership. It's just trust, which is really cool to see between them. Totally. What about you, Ben? 
Well, I didn't have any runners-up because the only thing that I could think of the entire time was that dumb dopey kiss face. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> they could have framed that so many other different ways and not, not have it be so strange looking and awkward. Like, <laughs> they did not. They went for massive close-up of his open mouth. Like, <laughs> To be fair, I think it was intentionally dopey. Uh, <laughs> no, but still. <laughs> it was a weird kiss. It was a very weird kiss. But it was funny to watch. So let's open up our mailbag and look at our feedback. So William Burton on Facebook has a frosty moment for us. The alleyway, just that whole scene. So he agrees with you, Cameron. The midi trumpets, the slow panning, the way she just falls down like a garden in 64 game. Oh my gosh, that's true. I was really feeling that scene. I love the part where they pan behind their backs. Like that's such a classic Western moment to like pan behind the back and like see the belts where the gun is and like the close-up on the fingers like you know really good classic stuff by the way that uh, that scene right as she's about to pull the gun i freeze frame that i was just kind of curious what what's on the screen of the gun at that point and it's like a, a backwards flaming question mark which is kind of weird i don't know if that's something but i just noticed it Interesting. So uh, Josh at Unique Exemplar says that uh, he says the pickpocket brought up a good point about how to tell who's a guardian. Does uh, no one look at their icons? Uh, Gold and black is a guardian. Green and black infected by Megabyte. I never understood how no one knew Cyrus wasn't working for Megabyte. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. I don't know if I've ever noticed that they were different colors before. Now I I feel like I've missed out on something huge. Oh yeah, time to rewatch. Start from the beginning. Seriously. (laughs) He says the uh, golden pigtail goes to Matrix for just knowing by a look that there's a tear in what appears to be a cappuccino machine. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Aaron Ike on Facebook said this is probably his favorite episode of season three. So much is teased here. Damon, Evil Guardians, Turbo, Alleyway Shootout, and Gun, Death Blossom. A moment where I felt like I was in on an inside joke as the last Starfighter wasn't as culturally familiar as, say, Star Wars. So yeah, Last Starfighter was one that I watched a lot as a kid. (laughs) So it's kind of fun to see references to that. Uh, Kimura at Wakamagoose says that uh, he always thought that this was the the Star Wars to the Where No Sprite Has Gone Before's Trek, but uh, this episode worked so much better because it felt like actual plot progression instead of just a whole parody. Um, But his golden pigtail is the uh, bit about the personality chips in the drones and how after the drone runs away, Frisket just sits there for the rest of the fight, bored out of his CPU. Uh, Boozing and Bonding says it was great to see Turbo really for the first time, uh, but no point can top the last couple of seconds where we finally see Captain Capacitor again. Yes, that was awesome to see him again. Uh, Nolan Hayes on Twitter says, I firmly believe that Matrix and Andrea's game hopping was a group of people passing their games around. Then, after Matrix started shooting everyone in the game, the user shipped his buggy golf game to a tech center overseas, ending up there. And you know what? I think I made a possibly said that earlier i totally agree that it is people passing their games around to different computers yes yes what else could it be like it's it's the only explanation it's got to be that yeah because none of them had ports to the net so this had to be games they were renting at blockbuster so they just keep going from computer to computer back to blockbuster and back again so uh, david cabrera is uh, apparently begging me to like this one (laughs) sorry sorry to disappoint we do have several Patreon backers to uh, announce this week. Oh, wow. Thank you, guys. Yeah, so we have three new $5 backers. One upgrade from uh, $2 to $5 from Kimberly Montgomery. Kim True Grit Montgomery. 
And we have uh, five dollar pledges from Aaron S. Kaiserman. Aaron, the backer with no nickname, Kaiserman. And Cameral Angeline. Cameral, the Lone Ranger Angeline. Thanks to all our backers. Uh, look out for some uh, new bonus episodes coming soon. Yes, thank you again, everyone. That was wonderful. It's always great to hear that like people like listen to us and like what we're saying. Also, you know, the wasp problem. I do appreciate help with that. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think it's time to make this voyage unprofitable. All right. So is there anything you want to recommend to our listeners this week? So yeah, uh, there's actually a new show on Netflix. And this is, again, one of those things that I'm sure doesn't have to be recommended because everyone is watching it. But if you enjoyed Avatar The Last Airbender, the one of the creators of Avatar The Last Airbender is now working on a show called The Dragon Prince on Netflix. And I watched all nine episodes that are out right now. And it's very, very good. And my it speaks very loudly to my inner 14-year-old who desperately wanted to be an elf girl with knives. So... <laughs> So yeah, there's dragons and there's magic and there's elves and fun animation and, you know, just general good writing. Some hot dads. If you're into hot dads, there's a lot of hot dads in the show. (laughs) (laughs) I actually just started reading The Martian, um, so I don't know if I can recommend it yet or not because I just started it. But uh, uh, (laughs) aside from that, I actually did start continue uh, watching The Prisoner. So I've gotten like five or six episodes in now since we last recorded. Um, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. So I'll recommend that too, The Prisoner. <laughs> I'm glad that you like got into it from from the silly show. <laughs> <laughs> Just needed that little push. So Cameron, do you have any recommendations? Something you want to share with the, the people? I've been uh, watching on YouTube uh, PBS Space Time. PBS does a lot of uh, kind of cool science shows very informative uh pbs space time is probably my favorite although i have to admit it is way over my head most of the time but uh you know it's really interesting to to learn about uh the cosmos and everything that's out there also uh one of my patron things is uh recommending a show for you guys to watch yes and uh ben said that you had not seen escaflone that is correct i have not seen escaflone and i don't ben you said you had not either no absolutely not (laughs) <laughs> it's a curious show because like I it was a show that I was really into not as much as reboot but I was super into it back in high school but it is I think it's worth a look for anyone who's interested if you haven't seen it yet it's a medieval setting and there's lots of fantasy elements and I don't think I don't remember there being an elf girl with an axe but but there's <laughs> now see this stuff this stuff is right up Jess's alley but it is nowhere near mine not at all eh? <laughs> I'm intrigued so yeah so what do we have next week jessica do we have an episode with a title this time (laughs) we do and the title just walked through the door uh it's the return of the crimson vino hey uh so the title kind of gives away uh the plot there and so does the end of the last episode uh but in addition to a familiar face we are going to get a new face and i'm very excited about this new character (laughs) uh it's going to be interesting to see your reaction to him if not the character, the idea of the character. Does Bula come back? Bula does come back. <laughs> Bula is still in the crew. So. All right. Well, that sounds like a lot of fun. So uh, if you guys want to join us online, you can always find us at Incoming Game Pod on Twitter, Incoming Game Cast on Facebook, and IncomingGameCast.com. You can find me on various social media at Dudworks, D-U-D-W-O-R-K-S. And you can find me at Stervino Lady. That's S-T-I-R-V-I-N-O Lady. 
And uh, Cameron, do you have uh, social media or anything that you want to plug? Yeah, totally. I, I do a lot of uh, art and stuff. I put up on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Twitter's at, uh, at Cameron O'Hara L-U-V. And then Instagram is at Cameron O'Hara CDN. I'm currently doing a lot of uh, projects, including a, a comic, science-based comic called uh, Chaotic Neutron. You can find it at my website, CameronO'Hara.com. Last year, I did a, a big hand-drawn map of the uh, uh, Breath of the Wild game. I just kind of like went through the game, just kind of climbed up on mountains and surveyed and like drew what I saw and put it into a big uh, map. This uh, year, I'm going to draw the uh, city of Mainframe all by hand, just with like reference photos and stuff. So nice. Yeah. If you uh, want to see the progress, take a look at my website also, CameronOhara.com. And uh, yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to that. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us this week. Thank you very much. Thank you again for being here and for being a patron. Our uh, theme music is Spasmatica Polka by Kevin McLeod. Wait, are we supposed to be talking? It's, it's a Western standoff. We're supposed to be staring at each other. Yeah, but this isn't a good pod. Oh. Yeah, I guess it's right. All right. Oh, well. Stay frosty, folks. Game over. User wins.